Hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. As always, Chris Lisa joins us. This is your host, Mark Warner, and we got a pretty good midseason midseason recap here with a Vegas eye. We'd like to welcome back in an old friend of the show who was on quite a bit uh, during the playoffs last year, uh, Dana Lane, professional handicapper here in Las Vegas. Welcome back, sir. My uh, pleasure is all mine. How are you? Oh, we've been we've been hanging in there, and we were glad to uh, turn the calendar page here not too long ago, and and so far 2016's been going pretty good. I hope the New Year's treating you well, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. I do. Oh, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning they they they're pretty happy that the calendar turned too. They're uh, tied with a seven game home winning streak after being uh, pretty mediocre the first half of the year at home. Yeah, how about it, huh? I did want to. I did want to get get out there that uh, you recently joined the Sinbin podcast with Ken over there on a full time basis, and they uh, yeah. they cover Vegas, uh, the hockey angle, a lot more exclusively than we do. We kind of expanded into a, a league wide format with the slow pace that the NHL is dragging their feet on here with us. So we uh, yeah. Yeah. and and when we changed hosts, we kind of went into a broader scope of of bringing in a, a media member from around the league and, and getting a different take on on some other teams around the league that, you know, a lot of people like. Sure. So if you guys, if anyone listening wants to get more exclusive uh, Vegas hockey content, go to the Sinbin podcast and check them out. I did, a, I did a show with Ken a while back. He's a great guy, and, you know, Dana's a good friend of the show and has a lot of insight from the Vegas angle as well. So I just wanted to get that out for you, Dana, and thanks again for coming back on the show, man. Yeah, it's not a problem. We're, we're just waiting for Gary Bettman uh, and the Board of Governors and the executive to committed and make a decision so we can move forward with uh, – some actual topics we're getting we're getting a little uh, low on actual topics, but you know, we we make it through. We probably do about an hour, hour and a half every uh, every week, and try to turn something uh, Gary says into something big that we can talk about. But yeah, I mean, we're very excited. We really hope that this happens, and I, I don't think anybody thought we'd be waiting this long. But certainly, um, we I have the general feeling that things are coming to a conclusion. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Well, let's uh, let's I guess start with we're a little bit past the midseason, but that's when they hold the All Star break. Danny, did you check the All Star break this year? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you couldn't help not to. You had the great theater of John Scott. I wanted to see Dylan Larkin, a guy that probably you know introduced himself to many people uh, that had no idea. A guy that fell into the lap of the the uh, Detroit Red Wings uh, did not disappoint. And I just think that the whole spectacle of the uh, of the All Star Weekend went extremely well. I don't like the fact that the NHL was able to take advantage of the John Scott situation and and actually used it for their benefit. But I think, as far as All Star games are concerned, Nashville and the NHL had their best All Star game in a number of years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, home run, home run. Um, I, I have, I, you know, everybody talked about the whole John Scott thing and it was, I got a, I had a different feeling of, about it. I, at first I, I never got on board the, what a joke that is. I think, 
I mean, and I've I've talked with you, Dana and Chris. You know as well that I'm a I'm a fan of the enforcer role in the league, and I think it's to the detriment and and probably creates more dirty plays on the ice the more they try and legislate those players out of the game. I think there's definitely a role for fighting in hockey, and I don't like the instigator penalty. I mean, I'm on record as all those things. So to see, um, I know it started out with the bloggers trying to trying to hijack the thing and, and make a farce of it, but in my opinion, I was fine with it all along. And the way that two, two things struck me, and, and it was – I, I love to see it. Number one, the fans in Nashville fully embraced uh, John Scott being there. And every time, from from player introductions to hardest shot competition and during the game, uh, standing ovations all the way around. And I think that's, I, I think that was a commentary on not just John Scott being there and the humility and grace with which he handled the entire situation, but also an approval of the enforcer role uh, in in the league and the way his former teammates to a man embraced him to see San Jose, the guys uh, pick him up Rudy style after the game and, you know, the little Patrick Kane, little fisticuffs, you know, their former teammates and Scott sat him down, <laughs> sat him down there on the side and then he went and scored a goal, of course, and then dropped the mitts and did the little thing. He's... Those players know what the enforcers sacrifice uh, of their bodies and their minds, and in today's uh, higher awareness of of brain injuries, um, you know it takes a special friend to know that someone always has your back, no matter what the situation is going to be, and you could see that in his former teammates, and I don't, I haven't heard anybody really cover that angle of how he was received and I, I just felt that that was that by itself was was pretty special and then uh the three on three format i was against it i tweeted out that i thought it was a lame idea and a gimmick to do to the all-star game and i'm gonna eat my words right now because i thought it was fantastic um yeah i guess you got i guess when uh when you blow it on one you got to come clean and uh i i thought it was great i thought it was a great event but that's my little take on the john scott thing i think it was a, a joke that the league tried to keep him out of it and i know i know you're pretty uh strong on that phone call that he got dana uh from the league office as they're asking about it absolutely that's, yeah. Go ahead and go ahead and rant on that for a minute. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the thing that is lost in all of this that I just can't let go of, and, and I cannot believe that we haven't somehow delved more into this. Somebody has to do it. Is who called John Scott to say, "Look, we'd rather you not play," which is fine. I understand that and I get that, but at the same time, don't follow that up with. What would your kids think if you attended, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing, if, you're, if you attended a game that you don't deserve to be in? And John says, well, you know, if I, and John's basically like, what would I say if I didn't? You know, and to me, hey, if where's TMZ at this point? I mean, why, we need to find out who made this call because, like I said earlier in talking to you guys uh, before the show, like I think this exposes 
a pretty gross underbelly of this league if this is true. And I have to think it's true because if, because if I'm Gary Beckman or Bill, Bill Daly and, and, and John comes out and says this about, you know, the whole situation, oh, I'd be the first one to get to a podium to say, oh, whoa, whoa, that didn't happen. And nobody's done that. So if that did happen, well, that's, that's pretty concerning to me. Yeah. Uh, and then... It, you, what it what it does is it brings up the whole and and it happens to every All Star game and Pro Bowl Bull and every sport that oh they should take the vote away from the fans because this deserving player is not there because that guy got in and look the All Star game is for the fans it's not for the media That's members right. it's not you know if you want to have players vote on who should go I'm all for that but for the media members to 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 use this as a battle cry to take the fan vote out of All Star games. Because right. somehow we 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 don't know what we want to see at the All Star game. Um, I think that's pathetic, to be honest with you. And the it's a fan game. The the, the reason for the All Star game is a celebration of the sport and all things contained in it. And if if John, I mean, listen, two years ago, Zimgus Gergensen's was. The leading vote gives, right. and not right. I'd say I'd say eighty percent of hockey fans don't even know what team he plays for, um, or what country rallied around and and stuffed the the dot com with votes. Um, yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, no one called him up and asked if his family would be embarrassed if he showed up to play. Right? I not. I mean, not that I heard. And and I think it goes back to the league doesn't want the stereotypical fighting image associated with with the league and the the having John Scott there in my opinion was fantastic and I know a lot of thousands and thousands of people feel the same way and it's too bad that the league uh, I think I think embarrassed themselves with their their activity surrounding that whole thing yeah uh, I agree said, I think the only go ahead I, I just think the only thing I worry about is if somebody with incentives in their contract doesn't make it because somebody decided to stuff the ballot. I guess that's the only thing that I would absolutely be worried about. Um, at the same time, though, we also don't want everybody to get the idea that we can completely sabotage this game and have a bunch of fourth liners uh, at, at this game. But, you know, for this one time, I, I think it was fantastic. It was terrific theater. It was good for John, good for his wife, who, oh, by the way, is going to be induced tomorrow, yeah, which oh my is goodness. going to be Friday, and, and they're going to have twins, so now they'll have four kids. Uh, he won't be in St. John's because he'll be at uh, the birth of his children, but uh, this, to me, it's a great story uh, that brings attention to the NHL, and of the All-Star Games this year, uh, and specifically, if we want to Compared to the Pro Bowl that was played the same day, the attention that was paid to the NHL All-Star Game, the worst what we thought about Team Irvin against Team Rice, which nobody talked about. Yeah, so good uh, for the NHL. Just did, did you happen to catch the ratings on both those games and, and which one was more watched? I didn't see that. Uh, um, I did not see that That's either. something to look up, huh? Um, but I have to, I, I'm sure the Pro Bowl had higher ratings. It's always it's always easily higher rated. Um, I know that the skills competition uh, on Saturday did not draw very well on TV. I don't know specifically what the number was, but um, 
I do think as far as attention, certainly on social media, there was no comparison. Right. No, if you look at the Twitter activity, it was all all-star game. So, uh, Chris, I haven't even, I, we haven't got a peep. I know you didn't watch the all-star game, so you're, you're going to be, uh, did you, did, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. Did you catch any of the replay? I'm sure you heard all the talk about it. I, yeah, I, I followed it from afar. And the one thing I, w- I would put my two cents in for the league is to relax. It's an exhibition. Exactly. Uh, enjoy it. The fact that they were playing three on three. I mean, if every once in a while there's a story like John Scott or Gergensen gets in, I mean, embrace it. I mean, it's a, a, you know, if anything, it gets people talking about the All-Star game, and it's the only negative I can say what happened this weekend uh, in terms of, you know, based on how much of a hit it was in in Nashville, the marketing tool, you know. So uh, nothing against it, uh, you know, you know, to... People should enjoy it, you know. Uh, to be honest with you, I was watching a lot more Australian Open tennis than I was. <laughs> All Star Game that was more more riveting, but um, for me, but uh, it's a good time to kind of take a break uh, for myself from hockey. But uh, I, I, you know, I'm happy for John Scott. Uh, you, you failed to mention that I did, re- you know, that Mr. Tavares. Uh, Helped the, uh, I think, East win the uh, skills competition, but that's okay. But uh, uh, Yeah, I missed that uh, part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. So, I mean, uh, hopefully the league will, you know, look. If, Lighten like, up. Uh, Dana Lighten say, up, Francis. Like Dana would, <laughs> I guess Dana was saying if, if, if there was a bunch of John Scotts and fourth liners at the game, then we might have to have a discussion. But, you know, if you ever once in a while have one of these kind of players, and the fans vote them in. Fans allowed are going to vote the players in, and that's the system. So uh, embrace it. That would be my message to Gary Pepin. Hundred percent. Well, we're going to be up against a break here in, in just about a minute. So going into the next segment, we'll uh, kind of look look ahead towards the trade deadline, and also look back to the preseason favorites. Uh, I know Dana's got some numbers for us and where they are now, and and maybe some underdogs who are moving up. And and uh, this is going to be the all Vegas hot. Hot, hot spotlight here. Going to do some numbers, going to do some odds, going to do some uh, maybe some futures talk, and then we'll get into uh, a little bit of the expansion news and what it means we didn't get the announcement we wanted at the All-Star Game and where we might be headed then. And uh, Chris has a new article out at Last Word on Sports, Buyers and Sellers, who's going to be doing what at the trade deadline, and we'll get into that after the break. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. All right, hockey fans, thanks for coming back with us. Uh, we will, before we go on our look ahead here, the, the Dennis Weidman situation has come to fruition with a 20-game suspension. I was kind of hoping that they would pass that down uh, before we recorded the show this week. And earlier today, he did come out with his apology, hoping Donnie Henderson recovers and is back on the ice soon. I hadn't even heard that he had... Did, did you guys hear what injury was a result of that, or is he just sore and missing time? 
Yeah, I didn't hear anything specifically about what happened. I know that it looked horrible, and I'm all for the 20 games that it got. I mean, it, the rule book is pretty clear. I think it's rule 41, uh, 40.1 or 40.2 that says it's either going to be 10 or 20 games. So it can't be 10. You have to give them 20. Because if you if you don't, then they're going to appeal it down to you know five to eight, which I think is way too lenient. I agree. That was that was blatant. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I you know I I'm obviously I wasn't there and and I've only seen the video of it and I can't be inside someone's head if he says he's dizzy and woozy and disoriented from the hit he took and you know whatever how however far down that road you want to go that's fine but. Uh, I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you exactly what happened because, in all honesty, it's happened to me. You're, you're trying to you're trying to go back up ice. Somebody takes a shot at you. Um, you're really upset because there's no call, and there's just that that white hot period of time. No matter who you are as a person, where you're not thinking straight, and you can tell me all you want about how he had a concussion, and, and according to Calgary, the Flames he, he did, but you know somehow he's already passed protocol and he's back on the ice practicing and somehow he finished the game but look he skated five strides i counted them and then he glided another foot at least with his head up so don't tell me you didn't see the referee in front of you and then you 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 extended your arms into the cross check and then you showed absolutely no remorse because what happens when you hit somebody and by accident, your immediate reaction is, oh, sorry. I'm, just, I'm so sorry. I didn't Try and help him up or whatever you got to do, right? Right. No reaction whatsoever. And, and I looked at his I looked at it again today. And you could see I looked in his eyes when he, he was on the bench and, and he was focused. There wasn't like, hey, I'm, I'm a little woozy here. I've seen guys that have concussions. I've seen that they're unable to walk off the field. His eyes were focused, and I'm not saying he didn't get hit. He certainly did. But he was upset, and he was going to take it out on the first person he saw. Mm. Yeah. And the only thing good I could say about the hit uh, from Weinemann's standpoint was it, it wasn't as bad as the cheap shot Dale Hunter gave uh, Pierre Church on the '93 playoffs <laughs> between the Caps and the and between the Caps and the Islanders. Not not that I uh, don't you know, and I, I remember these things. But that's no, cool. I, hey, hey, I remember uh, uh, Gordy Dwyer of uh, Tampa got a 23 game suspension in an exhibition game. Hmm. <laughs> so, so you're not the only one that remembers these things that nobody cares about. How long? How long did Marty get? Oh for, no, for I, the... I, I can't about it. I can't about it. How long did Marty no, get? No, I know. I said it that way. I mean that. Just facts that do not help me out with my career. <laughs> well, uh, Chris has an article up on the Last Word on Sports now about uh, buyers and sellers. Uh, headed towards the deadline. And, uh, Chris, why don't you sum up what you got there for us, and then we'll throw some uh, throw some stuff on the wall at you. Yeah, it, it, the article's called, uh, you know, Sellers Few and Far Between. And, you know, really outside of Winnipeg with Andrew Ladd and Dustin Bufflin both becoming UFAs at the end of the year. And, you know, uh, I don't think – I, I, I think it – at most, Winnipeg finds one of them, and I'm kind of doubting that, based on what they what they'll probably get in uh, someone will pay them in free agency, like it always happens. 
Um, it's really hard to find, um, even though there are other sellers, potential sellers, uh, a list of players um, uh, that's going to make a, you know, a sexy deadline. Um, you know, Buffalo would be a seller, but outside of Jamie McGinn, I mean, maybe do they think about moving Evander Kane, although it's been a while since he's been dominant. Uh, Columbus is more in a retool than a rebuild. Uh, I think if the right deal came along, they would trade Scotty Hartnell. But the same token, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're not going to give him away. He signed for three more years. I think Edmonton's open for business. But I was talking to, uh, it's funny, I was talking to a couple of the hockey writers this week, uh, a couple of friends of the show. I was talking to Matt Pryor a couple of days ago, and he uh, called me to let me know that he heard that Elliot Friedman was saying that. A very viable uh, talks are going on between the Islanders and the Oilers about Jordan Eberle coming to Long Island to play with John Tavares and Travis Hamannick heading to Edmonton. But then I checked in with Rob Sawyer, who's also been on the show, uh, the Edmonton writer, and uh, he said that's pure conjecture. He doesn't believe Edmonton will make a big move until around the draft. Uh, you know, I'm sure Toronto would like to do things, but they're sexy players. Uh, for if you if, if they have any, but they're players that uh, like the Bozaks, the Garners, the Finups. You know, so there's some serious salary cap ramifications around them. So, and they're going to want to get assets back. And then I guess the last three things will be the wild, uh, kind of a wild card situations. Um, you know, Carolina's in the race as of now. Um, if they still are in the race towards the end of the month, do they? Do they move Eric Stahl? Um, where where is that at in terms of them uh, them resigning him? You know the Bruins, as you know, Mark. Um, you know they're paying two point seven five of Milan uh, uh, Lucic salaries this year to the King. Uh, you know, and basically they traded him to get two first round picks. So that kind of put a little uh, where their head is thinking about going for this season. So. When talk has come up that, that you know maybe they're not going to sign Louis Erickson after this year and that he's available, uh, so that's kind of a wild card as well. And the final is uh, Mikel uh, Boddicker of uh, Arizona. You know Arizona, even though they're in position to make the playoffs, they are still, in my mind, a rebuilding team, and uh, they can't afford to let that 26-year-old kid walk out the door for nothing if they're not going to be able to re-sign him. So. Uh, but when you look at it and look at all the parity in the sport, um, it will be interesting because uh, I, I, it will be interesting to see if it will be interesting uh, besides uh, Buffalo and Ladd. And uh, I think there will be plenty of buyers. My last point is I think there will be plenty of buyers, per se. But who are going to be the buyers willing to mortgage some of their future and who are going to be buyers where they say to a team, Look, I'm not trading any of my top prospects. I'm not trading my first round pick. I'm not trading my second round pick. So we're talking about my, you know, secondary, you know, prospects. Oh, and by the way, from that list, I'm not trading this guy, and I'm not trading that guy. And I'm talking about third and fourth round picks. So who are the buyers that fall into that category versus, let's say, you pick a team like we spoke on the last podcast, like Florida, and says, hey, for the right deal, I'll trade Lawson Krause. Or if it's the Islanders, if it's for the right deal, I'll trade Michael Del Cole. I'm not saying those teams are willing to do that, but so who are the buyers that are going to be willing to give up a significant asset, and who are the ones who are looking at I'll put a package of kind of secondary pieces in it. 
I'll tell you what, with uh, the 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 Kings bringing in LeCavier and Shin there for a prospect and a pick, I wonder if that ends up being one of the the more impactful trades made, even though it was a full month before the deadline, because Shin's fit right in and LeCavier, man, he's he looks like he's 29, 30 years old again. Pumping power play goals in and and nailing the third line center down, winning face offs, power play time. Um, I, I think you bring a good point up that that I mean, a lot, I think there's a lot of teams that that still see themselves within striking distance of a wild card um, that are, might be looking to add a piece, and by the same the same reasoning, there's not going to be a lot of sellers. Um, I think you have a good point there, Chris. Dana. Yeah, I mean, I think like I think I, I could see a team like Florida, for instance, being aggressive because when you look at you know their job is to get out of the Atlantic. So if they could add, as we talked about uh, hypothetically on our last podcast, if they could add a Bufflin or if they could add a Lad or if they could add an Eric Stoll, um, first off, uh, I wouldn't you know in, in the playoff format, I wouldn't. I would say they would have a good as chance as anyone in that division to get through it. And now you're talking about being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but if they could add a, another piece to that, it just, you know, uh, makes their odds so much better to do that. Versus, let's say, like, um, well, the Rangers are probably a tough example because they are, uh, we talk about it, we've talked about in prior podcasts, so going back to the offseason as their window closed. So, uh, they they might you know try to kick down the window as much as they can, uh, but it will be interesting to see like a, uh, like a team like the Islanders are they you know who have uh, plenty of top prospects uh, or even a kid like Ryan Strom are they be willing to sacrifice one of those top kids uh, when they have to go through the Capitals in their division you know and same could be said in the you know teams out in the out west. Dealing with the team, dealing like with the Blackhawks and such, so it'll be interesting to see who's going to be very aggressive and who is uh, going to be more on the perimeter. Now, Dana, I know you're a Boston guy. Uh, yep. So let me let me let me roll back the clock to uh, draft day last year. And okay. It, well, well, we talked about this with Cam Hasbrook, who was on. He's a Bruins writer too. He was on the show a couple weeks back. And if I had told you that you'd be uh, sitting there in a playoff spot at the All Star break with what uh, what happened on that draft day, would were you a buyer or a seller on that? Um, well, I, I'll tell you, even going into the season, if I if I thought I was going to be uh, in that position, I, I think I would have bought that. Uh, Boston's in a funny position right now because I I hear people. Uh, you know, I listen to Boston Sports Radio in the morning, and you know, I I hear people say, you know, let's let's maybe focus on next year, which is crazy because you know they're in that position, and I know that's something that Jeremy Jacobs is not going to want to hear. But yeah, I kind of understand what they're saying. I mean, do we have a shot at actually winning this year? Um, I don't know. I think so. I mean, people talk about the Bruins as if they have zero offensive talent, and, and I think they could squeeze a little bit more out of Charlie once they get to the playoffs to, to give them that defensive stability that you need. The only thing that I don't like, and I, I never liked, was, was Lucic going to L.A., and I realized 
you know, I need, I know we needed some new scenery. I get it. And he's great for the Kings, especially if they pick up Buffalo, which has been, been rumored. I mean, that team is, is shooting up my, my power ratings, but you know, I, I think Boston's guy, if they can stay healthy, I think they have pieces to move forward. And even if they wanted to, um, if they wanted to move forward with some sort of a trade, uh, especially to beat themselves, beat themselves up defensively. You know, Subban has always been rumored as the guy that maybe they would get rid of. No, I don't know. With Gustafson having a, a regular heartbeat, I don't know if they're as excited about doing that now. But certainly, that's the piece. And you know, I, I think the jury's still out on what they're going to do on Louis Erickson. So, you know, I, I think Boston is right there. I, I'm that to me is one of the kind of those left those teams that nobody speaks about. They don't ever talk about them as being bad, but they never talk about them as far as being a contender. And, and right now, you can get them at 22 to 1. And that, to me, has got tremendous value. Wow. That was good. Gonna... Real quick point on Louis Erickson and, and, and why I think the Bruins should keep him unless someone just blew them away with Oh, I agree, with, by the way. With, yeah. a future, with a futures offer is, keep in mind, the Bruins' last draft, they they made a number of trades. They had a plethora of picks in the second, the third round. They had three first-round picks. They were able to get Martin Jones, who they flipped. So they have, coming into this draft, they have ordered, they have two first-round picks already. They have their own, obviously, as the Sharks. And, you know, who knows where those picks fall. But they're going to be good They're going to be good picks. So, if it, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, while I – Agree with Dana in terms of the Luchas trade, in terms of looking at this year. I think big picture would be a tremendous trade for them, provided they they picked well. Um, uh, they got a tremendous value for him, considering he had one year left before becoming a UFA. But be that as it may, I think you know you, you did a good job with the cupboard, Chris. I gotta you, you I gotta give up. I gotta cut you off. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. And we're back from the break. Sorry about that. Still, uh, still learning to play the segue game there at the end of our 15 minutes, uh, but we got to let HockeyTalkRadio.us who picked the show up, pay some bills, and that's okay with us. So, Chris, you were you were just finishing up your point there. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, basically, they did a really good job this past all season in terms of really stacking the cupboards. They're going to have two first round picks as of now for this draft. Their own plus the Sharks. Who knows where those will land. At the end of the day, I mean, I think they can get good value for Erickson. No one is going to give them a first-round pick and a kill prospect for him. Don't, unless someone blew them out of the water, which is not going to happen, don't sabotage your season. The Bruins can finish in the top three in the Atlantic Division. I mean, I like their chances almost as good as anyone in the playoff series who they would match up with. Uh, they're not going to have to face uh, in their own division a team like the Kings or a team like the Blackhawks or the team like the the, the Capitals. So uh, I think it would be sinful for them to trade uh, Louis Erickson. Uh, I have a little different opinion on Eric Stoll and 
Boddicker if they can't get re-signed for those teams. But uh, the Bruins should hold on to Erickson. And at the end of the day, he walks, he walks. I mean, that's what the Islanders are going to do with Kyle Poston and Franz Nielsen. They're not trading those players unless they, can, they trade them for now NHL players who can help them. That's going to put them in a better position this year. And if at the end of the year they walk, they walk. And they'll either make a trade or sign someone in free agency or have one of their top young kids come up. So uh, I think the Bruins should take a similar approach. I think the Bruins are in a real similar position to the Kings last year. Um, coming down the stretch, Chris knows I can recite that last week minute by minute. But um, there was there was quite a few people who said if the Kings get in, they're going to be one of the favorites to win the Cup. And Boston style of play, I, I kind of believe they're going to be in the same same ballpark they're headed down the stretch if they get in. Put it this way, they're going to be a team that nobody wants to play. They're going to be tough to play against. You're going to you're going to be in for a long a long series. Uh, no one's going to go in and and beat T- Tuka Rask five games. You know, if if, uh, if they get in and in our preseason episode, for, uh, I had Boston missing the playoffs. I could be wrong on that. If if they get in, they could. They could go right to the Eastern Conference Final with their style of play. And we were talking off the air, Dana, just now. Um, Washington's having a great regular season, but uh, yeah. if you were going to go to the window there, uh, you said Boston was 22-1 to 1 right now. And then Washington, I think, yeah. is Washington the favorite on the future right now? What what are their prices? Yeah, they're the, they're the favorites, and rightfully so. But at the beginning of the year, Boston was at 18-1. to 1. They're now at 22-1, to 1, and... You know, I look at them, I have them fifth in my power rating. Um, you know, this is a team that can score goals. They're excellent on the penalty kill. They're excellent on the power play. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is, is, you know, what he does for that team is often overlooked. He's one of the best face-off guys in the league, and, and that's invaluable, especially, you know, on the power play or especially on the penalty kill or, or on, obviously in five and five. You know, puck possession is huge, and I – I think if Tuka Rask can kind of up his level a little bit, man, they are going to be absolutely difficult to beat. And I, I'm just not a fan. I have to see the Washington Capitals up their game for the playoffs the way they've done in the regular season. I, I've seen teams have these tremendous regular seasons and hit the playoffs and cannot up their, up their level of intensity to match their opponents. I, I've seen it time and time again. I mean, just even – how many times uh, I remember the one time where you know the Sharks years ago beat Detroit with the one seed, the eight seed beat the one seed, and the Kings get in as a as an eight seed, playing the Devils that were the six seed years ago, and you know we've seen this all the time. Let's not get so focused on who had a great regular season because if we did that, the St. Louis Blues would have at least four cups now. For and they sure, have zero. And so just the this, fact of the matter is, I I love these grit teams. And I think Boston fits right in there with that. Yeah, and and along the Washington Capitals, they won the President's Cup. I think it was 2010, and lost in the first what? round. You know, first round okay. exit. So, um, I, I, I compared them to Dallas, and you said that you really liked Dallas. And when we were doing our preview episode about them, I really thought that Patrick Sharp and Johnny Oduya and bringing Antoniemi and that's adding five Stanley Cups to your locker room. Um, would pay huge dividends for that team preseason, and I didn't. I didn't so much 
worry about Patrick Sharp trying to score 20 or 30 goals with the, their offensive yeah. talent they yeah. have on that team. But with Oduya being a solid second-pair guy and the experience those guys bring into the room, they've taken a team that missed the playoffs, I think it was five of the last six years, um, riding, riding high. Chicago just recently went on that streak and passed them up. But I see what you mean when, when you compare and contrast Washington to Dallas. Where, were, where was Dallas at the start of the year? On, uh, 50 to the, 1. 50 to 1 to start the year. And now they're at? 9 to 1. Yeah, that would have been nice preseason. I, mm, that kind of burns me in the wallet right there, Dean. <laughs> oh, man. There's no value there. <laughs> no. I won't be bringing them up as a value play, that's for sure. Now, I know I know. Carey Price took home all the hardware in Vegas last year. And with Montreal's yep. great start, um, it looked like they were just – you know, shoe ins to get at least to the Eastern Conference final. Chris wanted Chris, we were talking, uh trying to get the lineup for the for the show. They're they're uh we didn't like the Simmons signing and we questioned where their offense was gonna come from and the Carey Price injury just derailed things in Montreal, didn't it? Well to me, I mean it is it, I mean they're done, right? I mean yeah. They absolutely when price when price went down, it was it was Subban trying to win games by himself. You take arguably the best player in the world at any position and take him out of the equation and they did a nosedive. Uh, obviously they're I thought their odds would, would dip a little bit even further at, they're at twenty to one now after they opened up at fourteen to one to start the uh, to start the year, but you know, I mean, we're not going to, we're certainly not going to back Condon. I don't think he's a great goaltender at this point. I mean, he certainly doesn't have anybody in front of him. And moving forward, as far as where we're going to put our money, uh, we're, we're definitely going to go away from Montreal. I think what the reason why it's still at 20 to 1 is because if Carey Price comes back, we don't want uh, that price to get too out of hand because if he comes back, obviously that's a game changer. Sure. And if you want to talk about, you know, upping your game for the playoffs, if Carey Price comes back, uh, and, it, and I know he was on the ice the other day trying to, or yesterday trying to make a goal, then they slammed the stick down, and obviously something still is not right. But what if in, in 30 games from now, uh, if they do manage to, to hold on to a spot and Carey Price comes back, uh, even as an eighth seed, you know, we talk about low seed teams and how things can change. That certainly is not a team even Washington would want to face. Uh, you know, well, obviously they wouldn't face until the until the conference final. But um, you know, just comparing apples to apples, I, I don't even think Washington would want to face a team with Carey Price on it. Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough road to hoe. They could they could face each other if what if Montreal got in as the wild card, they could end up playing the Capitals as the number one seed, couldn't they? In the first round. Oh, I think they they have to play their way out of their division first. Not not if they get in as a wild card, right? Oh, the first one, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. So the, the I mean, yeah, could you imagine? Could you imagine Washington with their Presidents Cup going up against a, a rejuvenated, fresh Carey Price in the first round? Ha! I'm telling you, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about, and that, those sort of things can happen. And this is why 
Uh, I'm not going to back Washington the rest of the year because I think they're going to be overpriced. And as far as making a prediction on the Stanley Cup, um, I, I just think they're going to run into a buzzsaw. A, a, you know, you're going to go through every single round with the with the uh, with the uh, target on your back, and it, I think it's very difficult for these teams because there's already a sense of accomplishment with the top team, the President's Cup winner, uh, the President's Trophy winner. There's always already a sense of accomplishment with them. Uh, these other teams don't have a sense of accomplishment, and I think that that makes it easier for them to up their game in the playoffs. Now, going going back to the Dallas, go real quick. Go ahead. Say about Washington, and I think Mark will back me up on this. I hear what you're saying, Dana, and you bring up a lot of good points. But I think having Justin Williams in that room is going to be a huge plus for them. And Mike Richards. Yeah, but more so Justin Williams. But yeah, and Mike Richards. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. He's uh, mis- I hate to use the, the name Mr. Game 7, but uh, he's been there. He's done it. Um, he, he, I, I put a lot of weight on, on the room, so to speak, and the experience level of guys that have been there before. And just kind of... The only thing that scares me go ahead. is Kuzma's off... Uh, I just I I think he is the guy, the unsung hero of that team, and I think that's the type of player that you win Stanley Cups with. And so that's the only apprehension I have about any of those statements against Washington. But you know, as somebody that just sees this time and time again, you know, very rarely the team that has the most successful season goes through uh, the entire NHL playoffs and wins the Stanley Cup. It's the curse of the President's Cup. I would be surprised, Cup. by the way, I didn't mention before, but I would not be surprised given the history of the franchise of really not being able to make it, uh, very rarely make a deep, deep run despite having numerous uh, strong teams. I mean, I know they're up against the cap, but maybe they can uh, sacrifice a Marcus Johansson or, or somehow if they can make the cap work sure. and aggressive. And trying to let add an Eric Stoll or a Dustin Bufflin again, cap wise, that's going to be tricky, to say the least. But I would I would not be surprised because uh, they're in position uh, to you know to, to represent the East. Well, we got we got a couple minutes before we get to the break here. Dana, is the is Dallas the biggest mover on the board from the preseason to now? Uh, without question, they're the biggest mover. Uh, they. I mean, obviously, when you go from 50 to 9, I mean, that's... That's ridiculous. Uh, well, no, no, no. Well, let me... I mean, I'm just looking through the list here. No, that is not true because Florida started out at 75 to 1. Florida. And they're now at 20 to 1. Florida. So that's that's a bigger fi- move. Florida's a good so, value. Uh, yeah, I mean, at 20 to 1, that certainly still is good value. Um, and, and, man, we saw the other night with Montoya. I mean, they have two goaltenders that are fantastic. And Al Montoya, a former uh, former Team USA goaltender, not that, not the big team, but he was uh, a junior goaltender. I mean, he's had a fantastic career, and, and certainly is probably, I, I would say, one of the better backups in the league. So they have quite a one-two punch there. Uh, and, and in Florida, the last time I checked, and this was on a Thursday, I mean, it's taking it to Detroit again tonight. Um, you know, certainly uh, they're ranked number three in my power poll. I just want to, you know, again, we'll know a lot about this team in the next couple of weeks because 
I hear a lot of people saying I think they're going to take a step back. So we'll we'll see. But goaltending wise, man, they are absolutely solid. And what about what about my Toya is UFA by the way at the end of the year? Hmm, he's getting paid. What about going the other way? What are uh, give me give me the Ducks numbers to start the year and where they are now? I saw uh, they're right where they, they're right where they started. They're are at, they uh, twelve to one? I know a lot of people are in love now, but you know, for me, until they start putting the puck in the back of the net, I mean, I can't back the last the worst offensive team in the league. And I realize you know they are they are, they are doing well and they are moving forward and they got a big game against LA tonight, which will will certainly say a lot about who they are as a team. But you know, I mean, I, I can't back a team that scores twice a game. No, definitely what not. What about the Rangers? Just out of curiosity, how how are they uh, lining up? Got about a minute left. The Rangers, yeah, the Rangers have actually gone down. They started on at ten to one. They're down uh, to twelve to one. Uh, obviously, they didn't get off to the start that probably people thought. Uh, but you know, again, uh, you know, I, I just think that they maybe need another score there, and I don't, I don't think people uh, have a lot of confidence in them outside of goaltending. Uh, to be able to put their money on them. And obviously, uh, it shows going down to 12-1. to All right. Well, when we get back from the break, we're going to finish up uh, finish up with some picks here, some good values going forward at the sportsbook, and we'll get into some hockey expansion talk and where that's headed. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. The Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. All right, hockey fans, thanks for coming back. And we, I want to get a few more numbers out there. Maybe look for some live dogs if anybody's coming out to Vegas and heading to the window. Uh if you if you were going to go live dogs in the East right now, would you say Florida and Boston probably your two best best value plays? Yeah, I love Boston. Uh, at twenty two to one, you're getting tremendous value. I, I they are flying completely under the radar, and I have to give Don Sweeney a lot of credit, man. I, I tell you, as, as a lifelong fan, if I put my fan hat on, I was I was not happy as were most people at the beginning of the year with the way this team looked, but uh, surprisingly enough, they're right in a playoff position right now. Now, I don't love losing games to Toronto in the manner that you lose them. You have to beat those teams on home ice, but and, I, and you know, let's win a game anyway on home ice because they've been a tremendous road team and haven't been able to win on home ice, but if Boston can find the answers to that and Chuka's able to up his game, man, a 22-1 is awfully inviting. Yeah. What about in the West? If you're going, if you're in, uh, in the West Coast, what do you got for a uh, pretty good live dog there on the future bet? You, you know what? Even even if they're still at nine to one, you're not getting them at fifty to one. But I just there's something about Dallas, and we talk about you know Washington, where I, I think they're one or two dimensional. Um, in in certainly they have other players, but I don't think on a on a nightly basis you're going to get that. You have that fear of consistent scoring for, you know, many, not anybody else really. Um, you know, off of that first line, outside of that first line, I don't know what else you're, you're really worried about consistently. But when you talk about Dallas, you're worried about a bunch of guys. And as you 
you spoke about it earlier with, with Oduya, I mean, they have added guys that have Stanley Cup experience. So to me, you've gone from a page that is uncolored to one that is completely colored and that is, that, that's complete rather than one to me in Washington that's still a little incomplete and, and waiting to be filled in. Okay, okay. I like that. You get my analogy there with the coloring book? <laughs> like the picture is, is complete. That's what I mean. All right. All right, I like that. I like that. Well, I, I'm on record. Hey, you could still, Go you ahead. still get the jersey at 100 to 1. Mm. Can you believe that? And they're, are, are they still holding that wild card down, or are they just slipped back? They are currently holding the wild card down. They're, well, they're fifth in their, uh, if memory serves me correct, they're fifth in the Metro, which obviously gets them out. But, uh, when, uh, yeah, they're in, the, they're in the top wild card spot, actually. Them in Carolina, top wild card. They're, well, New Jersey's one in Carolina, too. I, I got Boston in the wild card spot on mine, what I'm looking at right now, holding down the number one wild card. Pittsburgh tied with New Jersey, but with a game in hand. On the wild card. Uh, Boston's in fourth in their division, so they're not in the wild card. Yeah, they are in the wild card. Yeah. They're, 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 oh, top three. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah they're top, not top okay. three. Boston's in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, they're, they're, New Jersey's still tied with what? 100 to 1? With Corey Schneider yeah, playing so, the way he is? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, as a matter of fact, They've actually gone down. Um, they were at they were at sixty six to one to start, and at a hundred to one. I mean, you talk about a, a team that's still flying under the ra- radar. Uh, I, you know, if you talk yeah. about some of the best goaltenders in the league this year, I mean, I don't think Corey Schneider would come up in your top ten, but he certainly should come up. Especially when you're talking in the East, he should come up in your top two or three. Yeah, for sure. That's. Uh... You know that's worth a couple bucks at a hundred to one, man. He's having a great year. Deep goaltender win championships. Mm. Glad you brought that one up. I'm building the sports. Yeah, so the jersey's uh, the jersey's one out. One I'm, point out. I'm uh, building the sports book at the Cosmopolitan. Just opened up yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, I might have to stop in when I crawl out of the ceiling there and <laughs> stop at the window on my way home. Thanks for all the. Thanks for all the advice, man. Well, I hope that thing is. Uh, I hope that thing is looking good because I I haven't gone in there since I wa- I saw the last one. It's it's yeah. it's it's small, yeah. but it's really nice. There's a couple rows and of that uh, last one. Was, uh, that last one was like placing the bet in the closet. Yeah, it it actually was a closet at one time, actually before before it got changed. But no, this well, one's basically this, so. this one's right at the front. Uh, when you walk in off Las Vegas Boulevard to the left, they added a bar in there. Um, they've got the the you know the LED Cantor gaming screens that are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do a commercial for the Cosmopolitan or the IBW, but uh, all, all the lighting is perfect in there. And they have three rows of the kiosk where you get your own monitor. And uh, really really nice bar. They bought the uh, shuffleboard, not shuffleboard. Uh, yeah, the shuffleboard table down and the pool table in there, right. so so you can you know get a little action with your beverage while you're watching your game. It's a pretty nice little room, actually. Well, I'm I'm partial to William Hill. Uh, I use the app, and I 
you know, I, I'm either in my office or I'm at home watching, but uh, I do have to tell you that Cancer Gaming does a tremendous job with their the job with their sports books. Yeah. Uh, to me, by far, they're the best in town. So I'll have to check that out because I know they did a great job over the Palms, and I'm sure they did, a, or even up to the Silverton as well, tremendous book. So I'm sure they did a great job in the Cosmo. Yeah, it's, it's it's smaller than like the one in the Palazzo, the Cantor gaming they have in the Palazzo. We did that one as well, but um, it's a nice little atmosphere in there. Not too bad, not too bad. Anyway, since we are on Vegas and everything, Dana, I I gotta. I guess I, this is my my episode to eat my words. I said the, the three on three was a gimmick and a and a trick, and I do have one reservation. I'll go back to that real quick. Uh, fans that had voted in their players that got eliminated after game one, they're done for the night. I think they need to come some kind of a round robin like the AHL just did, where the teams get to go a little bit farther. So if, if you're a fan of a, of, a, of a guy that gets eliminated after game one, maybe he gets a consolation game, maybe shorten them up to the five minutes to match what the overtime is. And then mm-hmm. you can kind of alternate games back and forth a little bit longer and let those guys that were voted in get more than, you know, 20 minutes of ice time for the fans that voted them in. That's the only reservation I have now. And now I got to eat my words too. Um, I had gone on record 100% that they were going to announce that we were going to get our team at the All-Star game, and that did not happen. So I was 0 for 2 on my All-Star game predictions there. (laughs) Um, So I know Chris had a lot of – go go ahead, Dana. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, that – you know, and we all are crossing our fingers any time that Gary Bettman goes to a podium. But the fact of the matter is there's no way that we're going to make that announcement at Nashville uh, or in Nashville because there was no way that we're going to take the focus off of Nashville. If they announced Las Vegas was getting a team – Vegas would completely be the focus of that weekend. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I was going at it from the perspective that with all eyes on them, that's usually when Gary Bettman likes to to take the grandstand and 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 do his announcements like that. But you know, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. So where are we at with it? I mean, well, I mean, as as we uh, as we speak right now, I mean, we're kind of still in the holding pattern and you know but i can see some clarity and not only uh or basically in, in the words that everybody is speaking and i spoke to somebody the other day from uh the black knights uh black knight enter uh, black knight sports and basically they said we can't say anything but we'd refer you back to what bill foley said a month ago in the las vegas review journal which basically said i think in a couple months meaning april and may that we're going to be able to be putting one foot in front of the other, and I'm, I'm assuming that doesn't mean towards a U-Haul. So the fact of the matter is, I think the draft is an issue. There's a, that he brought up uh, a sticking point that he brought up. A lot of they have to work towards that because it's my understanding as of now that the way that they have it set up, that they could potentially each team could potentially lose some 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 young stars. So they're not happy about that. Um, but, hey, here's the thing. If they're bickering over the way the draft is going to go, then they've already decided that a team is going to come. Yeah, the we... I agree. I have, I have uh, two quick 
uh, quotes that just sum up Bet, uh, what Gary Bettman said and something that Dana referred to as well. Can interject. Uh, this is a quote from Gary Bettman over All Star Weekend. The process is continuing, and we're not ready to make a recommendation. That is something that will be done over the next few months, and that recommendation can be no expansion, one team or two teams. So the, right. process, is ongo- so the process is ongoing, but I don't, but I don't have a firm date for you. And then the second quote is, I've always said, and this is Gary Bettman again, of course. I've always said the earliest we would we would expand is seventeen eighteen, and whatever we do, the clubs need at least a full year. As long as there's at least a year lead time, we can make seventeen eighteen. But if we don't make seventeen eighteen, we don't make seventeen eighteen. And then this is per Dana's point, and this is right off the same article from NHL.com, saying here there are a number of factors of the board. Now this is not Gary Bettman talking; this is the person who wrote the article. I wish I had his name here. I got cut off. Um, there are a number of factors that the board of governors is considering regarding expansion, including plans for an expansion draft how many players the current 30 teams 30 teams could protect and leave available for an expansion draft, where the team or teams would be slotted in the NHL draft, and conference alignment with the potential for Quebec, which could be a 17th Eastern Conference market. So if they're talking about those those kind of things, That's I mean, right. to, be, to be quite honest, though, I actually was having this conversation again uh, with Matt Pryor of the Hockey Writers, and to me, there's two conversations. There's the big conversation. So we're going to focus on Vegas and saying, okay, is Vegas going to work? Is Vegas going to be uh, expand out west like we want to expand? Is it going to be you know a, a great market for the NHL? Is it, is it going to work for our league? That's the most important question. Same thing for Quebec City, of course. Those are the that's the big question. Okay. If you get past that question, and it's a big yes, to me, where they're going to draft, uh, how the expansion draft's going to work, um, you know, uh, who, is there certain players that, you know, you know obviously we, you know, our prospects, what level of prospects can be exposed, those kind of conversations. Yeah, I mean, obviously the expansion team wants to feel the best team as possible right away, so they're going to want the most favorable term. And the existing teams are like, wait a minute, I've worked really hard to, to develop these prospects or to get these picks. And But those things are small potatoes compared to the big question. So if the big question is a big yes, they can, they can iron out those, those other things. I mean, quite frankly, if someone said to Bill Daly, look, Bill, you're in. We want you in, but I got to be honest with you. I talked to all my other owners, and Bill they Foley. feel it's just not right that you come into uh, uh, come into the come into the league and have the fifth pick in the draft. So I need you to come in and have the thirty-first pick in the draft. And I tell you what, in the second round, you'll have the first pick in the second round, or you know, some combination of that. I mean, we're, we're not we're we're not splitting the uh, uh, we're not splitting the atom here. You know, so reinventing the animation. Well, the last time they expanded with Columbus and Minnesota, they picked fourth and fifth. So I don't think you dump the new franchises back to 31st. Slot them after the lottery, maybe? Yeah, I would think that would be fair. Put them in in the middle, put them at 15. I'd buy that. I I don't want to go back to 31st after the last team's got fourth and fifth overall. 
But if you if you let the lottery, go ahead. That's why they might be a problem. real quick. That's why there might be a problem because a lot of teams might be bickering, saying, "Hey, wait a minute, I don't want them picking any higher than this." Because the last time we had uh, we had a cool was it Columbus and Minnesota, Nashville, Minnesota, Minnesota. We we had those two teams pick fourth and fifth, and that wasn't right. That was you know. So there might be a lot of bickering because of how it went the last time in terms of in terms of this time. Dana, I know you got yeah, to jump in with a point here, but I got to take us out to a break here. So hold, hold on okay. to that thought, dude, and we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk-radio format streaming station. Check it out. And we're back from yet another interruption in our conversation, but uh, that's the price we pay for doing business, I guess. Um, Dana, I know you were chomping at the bit to jump in there at the end of that last segment. Why don't you lead us off here? My whole point about this is there has only been one other professional franchise in the history of North American sports to pay more than $500 million to join a league, and that was the Houston uh, Houston Texans when they joined the NFL. Only one other. This astronomical jump between what was what was asked of teams like Nashville and San Jose and and Tampa when they came into the league. I mean, it, it is light years away from what the NHL is asking Las Vegas to do. So if you're going to take 500 million of our money and Bill Foley's money, then you sure as heck can get us a draft pick to be able to be in a position to get a quality or, or put us in a quality position to get quality players to be able to recoup that money as quickly as possible. I think that's a great point. And I feel that way about the expansion draft, and I feel that way about the amateur draft. You're going to take that money, Jeremy Jacobs? You better, you sure as heck better put us in a position to be able to recoup that. That's a great point. Quick. That's a great point. This is a... Uh... If I remember correctly in the expansion draft, and Dana, correct me if I'm wrong, the uh, last time around it, they had they had the option of was it protecting six forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie, or was it five uh, four? No, it, no, it what was, was it? Nine, nine it two, was and nine, one. Five and two. Nine, five, nine, and, five two? and two. Okay. Yeah, I think so. We were we were kind of doing a mock draft, and I think we were talking about five defensemen and the goaltender so you know look i i i have to tell you man this if that is the case and that's the sticking point i'm telling you i would love justification as to how you arrive at 500 million and oh by the way that 500 million is going to completely i mean if i'm quebec you can't justify giving a team to quebec until you figure out whether or not Carolina is going to fill more than 61% of the building on a nightly basis. Because if you give an expansion team to Quebec and Carolina just does not make it, then you're looking at potentially Seattle, but there's no building. You potentially could be looking at retraction, and that's something the league doesn't want to even even entertain. But that, look, with the situation that Florida is taking care of, I guess, 
the situation down in Phoenix looks like. It's moving to a new arena somewhere, uh, somewhere downtown where it should be. So the only, the only question mark is Carolina. And oh, by the way, a, a feed of move a team is a heck of a lot less than the expansion team. And I think Quebec to, to get an expansion team. And I think Quebec should be a lot more comfortable with that scenario than having to pay almost 700 million because of where the Canadian dollar is. Do you think uh, that's kind of what's going on behind well, the scenes? Have, I do have, by the way, in, in terms of what you guys are saying, in terms of being fair, in terms of expansion draft and draft picks, this is a quote from, from Bill Daly uh, in the same article. Um, he says, quote, if we do expand, we want a, we want a competitive expansion club. So if that's right. the case, then you have, to, you have to provide rules of the road, be it, uh, more so probably the expansion draft than the draft pick, because I thought the draft pick will start the year in, in juniors. But um, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you have to give them the tools to put together a good team. Well, put put together at least a competitive team. For sure, hundred percent. Completely agree with that. And, and again, now, real, real quick, mate, you yeah. guys can remember the last expansion draft. What were the rules of the road in terms of? Those things you just mentioned, uh, nine forwards, five defense from the goalie, that was the main roster. No one could really pluck someone from someone's farm system. Do I have that correct? Unless someone's been buried down there for a certain amount of time, I'm guessing. I think if you're they're right. under NHL contract, that was my understanding of it. I mean, they can't be under like a. I mean, a two way deal. Yeah, or I don't know league. if they were under an They can sign a pro contract, but they can sign a pro contract, but unless they. You know, like for instance, Matthew Barzell, of the Islanders, has already signed his entry level contract, but he's playing in junior hockey. Like he's not right, right. Kid. But but someone like him wouldn't have they they, they would not have to protect. I thought it was so off the the twenty five man roster was was where the pool came from. Okay, I okay. thought that was so that how would, that it would came that, from. Would, that would that would eliminate anyone in the uh, down below. Yeah, yeah. And there was also talk about having a a problem with. You know the the guys that have you know no trade clause or no movement in their contract. Uh, I I read some quotes that that was being discussed as well. Um, you know, again, look, you've got to put Las Vegas in a position to be successful if you're going to accept five hundred million dollars. These line. owners can't take that money. And oh, by the way, money that they don't have to share with any of the players, it goes right in their pockets. You can't take that money. And not give back something. That's my only. That's my only thing. I'm not saying you have to give them the, the top draft pick, but to give them the 15th draft pick, I don't think that's fair. No, I, I get, they got to figure out a way to get him in the lottery. I, I was, I don't know, fourth and fifth for Columbus and Minnesota is the last precedent, and that's uh, and I, not too bad. And, and, I have and to tell you too. Go ahead. The way Gary Bettman was, uh, the, the you know when Gary Bettman came here. To kick off the season ticket drive, Foley wasn't talking about seventeen and eighteen. He was talking about sixteen and seventeen. Yeah. And Gary Bettman sat there while they promoted sixteen and seventeen and said absolutely nothing, knowing full well there was no way that was going to happen. But they allowed them to sell that under that label, and I have a real problem with that as well. We want to talk about the underbelly of the NHL. He sat there like a guy who was at a wedding he didn't want to be at and, and allowed us to sell that season. And, yep. and, you know, 
to me, I mean, I, I think that kind of gets the toe in dishonesty. And so now we have a city that went out and purchased season tickets or put deposits down on season tickets thinking that this was going to kick, kick off next season when, in fact, it never had a chance to do that. That's my only problem with the league in the process. Well, when they started the season ticket, uh, the the refund guarantee was hinged on the 2016-17 season. So anybody exactly right. right now, anybody who has that 14000 uh, season ticket deposits can justifiably go back in and refund their money. Now, I don't, nobody I know has done that, but um, that was actually when they no. were doing the meet and greets back uh, during the playoffs last year. That was one of the questions I asked Mr. Foley was, as this seems to be taking longer and longer and the footprint keeps getting pushed farther back, how do you maintain the momentum and the energy in Las Vegas f- for the expansion as the the news starts to go from days and days to weeks to months in between major announcement? And um, I think they're doing a really good job with that. They're staying alive in the community. The, he keeps putting out pressers and, and updating us with whatever information the league's letting us share with us. So, I mean, best-case scenario? Well, they do have to be careful. They do have to be careful because if this drags on the beginning, every time he steps to the podium and says absolutely nothing, I see and hear the cracks getting larger and larger. And, and you have to understand the city of Las Vegas. 100%. These are These are hard-working people that left somewhere else to come here and have a new start. Now, that, that we have a a huge community has been here for a very long time now. So our roots are here, but we still have that mentality of, Hey, look, you know, we want to be wanted. And I know that's kind of a weird way to say it, but we would, we would turn our backs in an instant on a league or, or look at the way we treat, you know, to this day, the way we treat Duke, we can't stand them. We hold grudges. <laughs> we never want to get into that position where, where this town starts to hold a grudge about the process. And I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm like, I love Bill, Bill Foley and I love Las Vegas and the, and the team here, but yet I don't like the way the process was run. And the only thing I ask from Gary Bettman is, I don't need an answer, but what I need is some information. I think there is no other business in this world, and we're essentially shareholders and season ticket holders for this team. There is no other business in this world that can hold shareholders' money for a year without telling them what's going on with their money. And that's essentially what's, what's happening. He's given us nothing. Uh, that's another good point, man. That's another good point. Yeah, I, I would say over the next couple of months, this, this, that's they, they, need to, they, they need to come – you know, by the end of the regular season, you know, uh, they need to have this uh, sorted out. And, you know, I, as I was saying to you guys off air, I'm really pulling for Quebec. I think the latest news on the Canadian dollar is, is not good for them. But uh, and being, you know, being from New York, uh, I've only been in Las Vegas once, had a good time as long many moons ago. Bill Clinton was in office. That's how long ago it was. Wow. Uh, in his first term, no, in his first term, no less. Pre Monica, uh, pre Monica. Yes, that's a long time ago. So uh, that we know. Like, everything, <laughs> yeah, every every everything's in line for Vegas. This is to me such a no brainer. Uh, Dana, you know this. I believe it's less than one percent of the sports book 
you know, is is bet on the NHL, uh, something absurd like that. I mean, oh, not, not only bit. that. I mean, and that's exactly why there are a lot, the gaming issue. That's that's not even an issue anymore. And not only that, if you even wanted to bring that up, the hype, the the hypocrisy of that is the amount of illegal gambling that goes on in every single one of their current NHL cities dwarfs anything that goes on in Las Vegas. And, oh, by the way, we're on the same page with every single one of these leagues as far as we want these games to be legit. The NBA has employees that work from Vegas to ensure that there's no funny business going on with the lines because the minute that there's any detection of anything happening – I mean, that could make mean millions of dollars to this town. The only people that don't care about the sport and only care about their wallets are the ones that are right outside Gary Bettman's office right now that, that maybe he wants to turn the other cheek and not, not, uh, not acknowledge exists. 100%. Well, also, real quick, if you want to go into the hypocrisy of it all, if you, want to put your, if you want to strike an X against Vegas because of the whole gambling aspect and thumb your nose at it, because I always hear if it's Roger Goodell or whoever it is, uh, but the same token, then how is it that every major sports league uh, is in part, uh, is a uh, in partnership with draft, either DraftKings or FanDuel? I For mean, sure. you're not betting on a winner or a loser of a game, but uh, it involves betting and betting on performance of players. So mm-hmm. they're all investors in those companies. So I don't want to hear it, you know. So uh, And like I said, the reality is when it comes to betting on hockey, uh, it is a very, very small part of the sports book. Um, yeah, to me, this is a this really is a no brainer. Uh, the only thing I could imagine that they're holding back on is that for some strange reason, and this doesn't make sense to me, but for some strange reason, they wanted the next expansion to be two teams. So it's not that Vegas is a problem; it's Quebec's the problem, and they want. They want to go from 30 to 32. You don't want to go from 30 to 31 and then 31 to 32. Now, I, I don't see why that would be a problem, but that would be, to me, the only thing holding them back on on Vegas that would be, I don't want to use the word legitimate, but that I can understand. Uh, because to me, Las Vegas, you know, Quebec is, is much more complicated. Uh, well, let me, uh, let me, let me, uh, we got about a minute and a half left before we got to cut this and get it out to production, Dana. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff, buddy? Sure, at uh, DanaLaneSports.com, at DanaLaneSports on Twitter. You can find me and everything we talk about about Las Vegas and, and the NHL on Sinbin.Vegas. And you could also find my videos and write-ups on at least two NHL games a day on SBR. SportsPicks.com. SBRSportsPicks.com. All right. I'm going to check that out myself. I got to get down there. Chris, we can always read your stuff. Uh, Islanders contributor at the Hockey Writers and all NHL content over at The Last Word on Sports. Uh, we just put up the The Vegas Hockey Podcast Facebook page, and we've got a pretty good response going so far on that. Kind of put links to all of our content on that. Find us at VegasHockeyPodcast.com, and you can get us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. The Internet's first 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey talk station. So, Dana, thanks again for coming in, buddy. i got to get back in touch with you more often. Always a pleasure to talk to you, man. And we're gone.